Past Ball Show, brought to you by JohnPLE.com. What the f*** you think is my opinion of it? I think it was f***ing Put that in. I don't So the tribe drops its third straight on this trip, 6-1 to one to the Rangers. For the Indians, one run on, let's say, one hit. That's all we got. One goddamn hit. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. Talk about the past, talk about the history, I'm talking about what's great about this game of baseball. There's so much stuff that we talk about. I would say I wouldn't know, but I would say the reason why they want to pass is baseball going to the highest baseball sport that has gone into baseball and from the baseball angle. I'm not going to speak of any other sport. Let me start by telling you this. I have never used steroids, period. Jerry, just remember it's not a lie if you believe it. Joe Carter with a three-run homer. The winners and still world champions, the Toronto Blue Jays. And this team sucks. Well, hey, that is where he's out. Yes, Brady is out. Look at, look at this. Brady is out. And uh, David Mann. I don't want to hear to argue about other sports. I'm in the baseball business. This can run cleaner than any baseball business Never put out in the hundred years of the present time. Sell the team. Oh yes, welcome, and it's always a pleasure to spend Saturday mornings with you right here on the NTR Radio Network. Of course, this is John Pielli. Passball show. I'm going to be with you for the next two hours. Lots of great things to go get into in regards to baseball. Just a reminder, you know, the program is always interactive. You could check me out on Twitter at John underscore Pielli. Continue to tweet at me anything you agree with, you disagree with, any points you want to make, and I'll always reply. We'll continue the discussion going, um, you know, pretty much on the air. Though the show is previously recorded, you'll still get a chance to speak with me live, which I think is great about what we've done here. And, of course, you know, a lot of different things to get into. I'm going to start out with some topics, uh, some conventional things going on in the game in Major League Baseball. Obviously, I have the trading deadline towards the end of the month. We just got over the All-Star game, a home run derby, the whole thing. But, uh, obviously, you get towards July 31st, a lot of talk of what's going to happen along the trading deadline. Is there, you know, is your team a buyer or a seller? Or are they just going to stick to where they are? I mean, you can make a case that teams that are in rebuilding mode can actually stay where they are and be fine. And teams that are competing for a potential playoff spot can maybe move a couple players and kind of still be okay. There's a lot of different, you know, very interesting things, which I find very fascinating about trading deadlines every year. And a lot of people do overrate it. They make it seem like whatever your favorite team is, you could be 100 games out of first place, and that means you automatically got to get rid of all your players or you're 25 games ahead. That means that you automatically got to go get the best players on every other team. Uh, you know, listen, if you listen to me enough, you know that I disagree with all that stuff. But a, a fascinating name on the trading market is a guy who just threw a, threw a no-hitter last week. And that, of course, is Tim Lincecum. And Tim Lincecum is going to be a free agent at the end of the season. More than likely, he's probably going to move on from his contract with the San Francisco Giants. And it will probably be pitching somewhere else next year. Lincecum, of course, of co- over the last couple of years, has kind of digressed a little bit. But, you know, at the same time, threw a no-hitter. You know, that he deserves, you know, commendations for that. Great job. But, you know, if you look at his year last year, obviously he pitched to an over-5 ERA with 15 losses, 107 runs, 
uh, allowed 17 wild pitches, which all led uh, the National League. And you look at a guy who's a two-time Cy Young Award winner, of course, one of the better young arms in the game. He's only He's going to be 30 next year and hasn't necessarily pitched the greatest this year. Obviously, the no-hitter notwithstanding. So the Giants, who have obviously struggled, this has been a disappointing season for the San Francisco Giants, probably something that we haven't gotten into too much. I mean, the Mets went out there the other day, and the Mets took, uh, you know, they swept them in San Francisco, something that they hadn't done since 1994. And what was crazy about that is, you know, pretty much right after the Mets swept the Giants in San Francisco, the players went out strike. So it just shows, you know, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what kind of correlation you want to put to it, but I do think it's funny. The Giants have been a disappointment this year. Obviously, they have a season to throw away if they absolutely wanted to. You know, the defending World Series champion, they've won two in the last three years. They, they've been the most up and co- one of the most up-and-coming baseball teams, you know, most intriguing. they got a ton of talent, but listen, this year it just hasn't worked out. And you look at Matt Cain, who's pitching an over-five ERA. Uh, you know, Madison Bumgarner's probably been their best starter. Ryan Vogelsong's been hurt. Barry Zito's been inconsistent. So the one strength that you could have said with the San Francisco Giants is they're starting pitching. And their starting pitching has not been good. Madison Bumgarner probably, uh, you know, you know, has, has earned an all-star appearance with his 10-5, and 3-0-2 ERA. I mean, he's, he's pitched phenomenal, but nobody else has helped him. And an offensive team that you knew was a little questionable. In spite of their their run they went on last season, they got big uh, seasons and postseasons from guys like Marco Scudero and Angel Pagan and you know Hunter Pence when he came over. And you know you see that the team just doesn't have that same type of firepower. And you knew they were going to probably struggle offensively, particularly with the injury to Angel Pagan. Hopefully they get him back sometime this year. But the one thing that's been the biggest disappointment has been their pitching, and that leads to speculation of a potential Tim Lincecum trade. Now, if you check out MLB trade rumors, you'll see that there's teams that are looking for Lincecum, but as a reliever. Could you imagine Tim Lincecum being traded to a team like the Detroit Tigers as a reliever? I don't know if Lincecum could go out there and make that transition. Yes, if you look at his postseason in 2012, he did a phenomenal job and was certainly a factor in, in the San Francisco Giants winning the World Series based on his performance in relief. He did a great job, but there's no proof that he'll be able to maintain that over the course of the rest of the season. You know, look at his, uh, you know, what are he pitching? Six games, one start, a lot of strikeouts. What was it? Uh, looks like 20 strikeouts in, what, 11, 17 to two-thirds innings. So he, he, was, he did a phenomenal job as a reliever last year for the San Francisco Giants in the postseason. But in a regular season, he's only made one appearance out of the pen. One, one relief appearance in uh, 288 games. So it's something that's not going to be that easy of a transition. But, you know, if you're a team like the Detroit Tigers and you go out there and you say, listen, we'll pay the majority, if not all, of the remaining $10.2 million on Lincecum's contract, then it definitely becomes interesting. And, and you could see Lincecum being moved. And, you know, a team that's won two of the last three World Series being a potential seller, I don't think they're going to break the whole thing down. But trading Lincecum does make a little sense. I mean, here's a guy that they didn't give the big extension to for a reason. They extended Matt Cain. Uh, you know, they even got a team-friendly extension with Madison Bumgarner. They're looking to to uh, extend their pitchers, and they didn't with Tim Lincecum. 
He's a free agent at the end of the season. The Giants will make an evaluation over whether they want to keep him at beyond the season if he's on the team. But I do think it's a very good possibility that he will be traded. The thing I have a fear in, and if I'm Tim Lincecum and I'm any team that's going out there trying to make a deal for Tim Lincecum as a reliever, is it going to work? I mean, is it, is it reasonable to say that he can go out there and be an effective relief pitcher? particularly making $10.2 million for the rest of the year. He's obviously on a $20 million contract. The last year of his deal, he's going to be a free agent at the end of the season. All that being said, do you want to take a chance on him as a reliever? I think, I think that's pushing it. And there's a very good chance that that may not work out if you're the San Francisco Giants. You know, and it may work out for the Giants if they want to keep him. I mean, I know that I know eight games under 500. You know, you got all this wishful thinking as far as teams thinking it could possibly go in there and get that last wild card spot. But if you're the San Francisco Giants, you got to think it's probably over. Even teams that are closer to 500 may want to consider, you know, packing it in. But obviously, nobody's going to quit. Anytime there's a chance that a team could go out there and win eight out of ten, win you know seventeen out of twenty, get themselves back in a race, and all of a sudden compete for that wild card spot, which there's two of them now. Anytime that chance exists, teams are going to go for it. And I don't know if the Giants are willing to give up on this season, and I don't think they'd be sending that message necessarily by trading a Lincecum. But. Two things are going to happen that are really going to force the Giants' hand here. Number one, the money that Lincecum's owed. And obviously, you know, he threw a no-hitter his last time out. He's, he's, he's a guy that's capable of being a very effective pitcher. You could leave him in that rotation for the rest of the year and just let it go. Or you could trade him and maybe save on some of the money that he's owed for the rest of the year and maybe get something in return. Problem is, you're not going to be able to do both. You're not going to be able to uh, alleviate a $10.2 million contract for a half a season and get something of, of worth back in, in return. I mean, you're not going to get a top prospect unless you're going to pay it, unless you know, the Giants are going to go out there and tell the Detroit Tigers, yes, we'll pay the remaining $10.2 million on, on the Linscombe contract, but we want a Nick Castellanos back in return. Then maybe you got a deal. Maybe not. If you're in Detroit, you say, hey, listen, I don't want to give up a prospect like that for Tim Lincecum, then maybe nothing happens. But, you know, you got a situation with the Giants that, yes, you could probably move him if he eats some money and if you're willing to not take a huge return for him. But then you got to weigh how much it really affects you. Are you going to get a player that's going to impact you over the next couple of years? Probably not. I mean, are you going to give a younger pitcher maybe a chance to help out in a rotation and see what you end up doing for next season? That's probably more likely. But, you know, in regards, listen, I think he's definitely an intriguing name, one that should be thought about in regards to the trading deadline. Uh, moving on to another player that I think is going to be very interesting to see where he ends up, of course, is Matt Garza. And Matt Garza with the Chicago Cubs has really officially been put on notice in regards to the possibility that he may or, or will be traded. You know, the Cubs have made it essentially official, kind of letting them know that, you know, there's, he's not going to be around much longer. The Cubs are fielding offers. Obviously, you put the San Francisco Giants in the mix as far as being a team that would be, be potentially interested in, in adding him if they want to be if considered contenders. Obviously, the Giants did not make that, that push or ended up not getting Ricky Nolasco in a trade for the Miami Marlins. Of course, he ended up going to the, the Los Angeles Dodgers, the, the Giants' rival. But 
if the Giants are buyers, if the Giants do think that they could turn this around and get themselves back in a race and potentially get a playoff spot, then maybe they may be interested in Matt Garza. And if that's possible, if they do add a Garza, then all of a sudden Lincecum becomes expendable and maybe they do move him. Uh, maybe not necessarily looking to get anything in return, but to kind of change things up a little bit, knowing that Lincecum's not coming, probably not coming back next year. But looking at some teams that may be interested in Garza, in addition to the Giants, I don't think the Giants are, are really considered a favorite. And I, I'm very questionable over whether they consider themselves a contender in the second half of the season. But obviously, the regular teams you would consider to be in there, the contenders, the Rangers, the Cardinals, the Pirates, the Indians, the Blue Jays, even the Dodgers at this point. You know, the Dodgers never see, could seem to have enough starting pitching. But those are all the type of, of pitchers, of uh, teams that are going to be interested in a right-hand pitcher, Matt Garza. And you look at a lot of, uh, a lot of teams, I don't, I don't think uh, the Cubs are going to be able to get this coup that they expect. I do think they could get a couple top players, probably one top prospect, one number one or number two on a team, and then maybe get a couple guys that are probably between about 10 and 20. So you could probably pull about three solid young players for Matt Garza. And, and Garza does have that value. He has the ability to go right up towards the top of the rotation. And you look... You know, it's some of the teams that are really out there. I mean, do you, you consider the Red Sox in it? Where are the Yankees? Did the Yankees feel like they need to add another pitcher? I think they might. I mean, CC Sabathia struggled. Do you have some concerns about Andy Pettit? Phil Hughes has not had a good season. I mean, you know, really, the only good pitcher that the Yankees have had in their starting rotation this year has been Hiroki Kuroda. So maybe the Yankees have to be considered a possibility to maybe make a Matt Garza trade. But the question is, where, what do they have in regards to getting a guy like this? And it's hard to say. I mean, there's there's some tough there's some tough decisions that teams are going to have to make. The the Red Sox, you know, have some guys that they they consider trading guys that they may not value as high as 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 some of the top players in their system. You know, Jackie Bradley probably is not a possibility. Will Middlebrooks probably not a possibility. Xander Bogarts is probably not a possibility in regards to the Boston Red Sox. Obviously, that's an example of just one team. But a guy like Garen Sakini who was, uh, of course, Mets, Mets 2012 number one draft pick, Gavin Sakini's brother, and, of course, the guest on the past ball show. Um, you know, some other guys, and Aaron Sanchez of the Toronto Blue Jays would be interesting. An intriguing guy would be Mike Gold of the Texas Rangers. I mean, the, you know, the Cubs would certainly love to add a third baseman. I mean, I know they just brought – they signed their draft pick, the guy that they drafted, Chris Bryant, who they expect to be their third baseman of the next 10 to 15 years, but you never know. I think in the meantime, it's going to take a couple of years for him to get up. If they can solidify that position, then maybe that could speed up the process in, in regards to the Chicago Cubs becoming a contender. And let's be honest, they haven't been that terrible. They really haven't. They haven't been a doormat. I looked at them as probably within the three or four worst teams in, in all of Major League Baseball in spite of some of the moves that they made to bring in some pitching. Obviously, they signed Edwin Jackson. They brought Scott Feldman in, who they traded to the Baltimore Orioles. They brought some other guys in that they, they've used, Carlos Villanueva, a Scott Baker, a couple, couple other you know, intriguing players that they were hoping to catch a little lightning in a bottle with. And you know, Anthony Rizzo has not really stepped up this year. Same you could say about Starlin Castro. Yet, the Cubs are only about, what, 8 to 10 games under five hundred for a team that was expected to do a lot worse than that. But obviously Garza is a guy that they're going to prioritize in regards to trading. If I had to tell you right now where I think he'd end up, listen, I, 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 like, I like the thought of the Rangers, but the Rangers have been a little interesting. 
you know, you've put them at the top of, uh, you know, guys like, you know, you know, race for guys like Zach Greinke and Josh Hamilton and, you know, Justin Upton. And, and they haven't, they haven't ended, added any of those players. So you automatically, because they're the Rangers, do you say that they're number one, the top of the list for Matt Garza? Yeah, listen, I, I don't know if you could guarantee yourself that. I think it's very interesting. It's something that, that really should be thought about. Staying along the lines of July 31st trading rumors, the whole thing. Michael Young becomes a very interesting uh, commodity if the Philadelphia Phillies are eager to move him. And the Phillies have played better baseball. The Phillies have done a good job getting themselves to around the 500 mark. I think they could consider themselves in a spot where they can kind of make a run for it right now. And if you're in a Philadelphia Philly market, you probably do consider themselves, you know, yourselves as a fan and a team, a contender right now. They're 48 and 48, you know, getting themselves into things. I, I don't have the Friday's results because obviously I didn't record the show Friday night. But, you know, Michael Young, whether the Phillies are in this race or to consider themselves making a push or not and they've played better baseball over the last month or so Michael Young could still be moved and you know we've talked on other programs about Cody Ashey and where he, he, he sits and fits in the future of the Philadelphia Phillies organization you know Cody Ashey is a guy they could bring up right now and probably be okay with Kevin Franson as a utility player, maybe a stopgap type of thing, maybe platoon him in there a little bit with Ashy before he gets comfortable. But the bottom line is Cody Ashy is going to be the third baseman of the Philadelphia Phillies in the future. Michael Young, obviously great influence in the clubhouse. Phillies like that. There's no issue with that whatsoever. But, you know, you're going to have teams that are interested. There's about maybe a dozen teams that have inquired about Michael Young. Yankees, Red Sox amongst teams. And think about some other teams that could use a guy like that. How about the Pittsburgh Pirates? And you say, well, Pittsburgh Pirates, you know, why, why, would he, why would he end up there? You got Pedro Alvarez at third. You got Neil Walker at second. You know, they don't really have a set first baseman. They, they're going with the platoon of Garrett Jones and Gabby Sanchez. Now, Gabby Sanchez is a primarily a first baseman, but Garrett Jones could play in the outfield. And if you bring a Michael Young in there to play first base, you know, maybe he is that type of leadership guy that you add to the clubhouse to kind of put you over the top. But Michael Young is a first baseman for the Pittsburgh Pirates. I know I'm probably the only one that said this, but I do think it makes sense. But there's a number of teams that have at least asked about the guy. Obviously, the Los Angeles Dodgers, who, have, in addition to Young, have asked about Chase Utley. You know, you look at, you know, other teams in the American League. You know, whether whether it's the, you know, the, you know, whatever teams are are competitive. Tampa Bay Rays, you know, in addition to being able to use a player that could help them out offensively, could probably use Young's leadership as well. You know, the Oakland Athletics is a possibility. You, you know, obviously, you roll out the Texas Rangers. Michael Young, uh, you know, would it, be a shame? it would be a shame on his half if he ends up going back to the Texas Rangers under any situation. But listen, you know, lots of things going on. Tweet at me, John underscore Pielli, anything going on. Trading deadline, the whole thing. And, of course, I'll continue to get back to you like I have, you know, just about every time. So I'm going to take our first break of the day. Lots of stuff to get into. Passball Show, MTR Radio Network. Be back after. Spring is upon us, and as the flowers begin to bloom and the grass grows in, who better to take care of all your landscaping needs than our friends at TNZ Landscaping, the premier full-service landscaping company in the Burlington County area. Services include full lawn care, landscape creation, tree service, and manscaping. That's for you, James. TNZ has experienced landscapers and guaranteed clean and prompt service. 
TNZ is fully insured and licensed with the state of New Jersey for full pesticide use. With over 20 years of experience with both residential and commercial properties, TNZ is the place to go. Don't trust your landscaping to just anyone with a mower. TNZ offers a wealth of experience and expertise at the same prices as the inexperienced landscapers out there. So call today, 609-332-5533. That's 609-332-5533. Or visit tnzlandscaping.com. And be sure to follow them on Facebook and Twitter. TNZ Landscaping, 609-332-5533. Or tnzlandscaping.com. Have you been thinking about household renovations? Why not come down to Princeton Kitchen and Cabinet located in nearby Plainsboro, New Jersey? We offer a wide range of goods and services for the interior. We have solid wood cabinets as well as carpets and hardwood flooring from the top brands at competitive prices. Get a new set of 10 by 10 kitchen cabinets for just $1,500. Solid wood flooring starts at just $225 per square foot. We provide all installation. Princeton Kitchen and Cabinet also has 10 years of experience in contractor work. If you're looking to finish that basement or redo your bathroom, look no further. We offer all electrical, plumbing, and finishing work at the most competitive prices. We will even come to your home to give you a free estimate. Call 609-378-5952 or learn more at our website at www.princetonkitchen.net. Come visit us at our 660 Plainsboro Road in Plainsboro, New Jersey location. Get all your work done at Princeton Kitchen and Cabinet. Welcome back, John Pielli, Passball Show, MTR Radio Network, back with you. Uh, right now I'm going to play the interview I recorded a couple days ago with former Major League uh, infielder Benny Ayala. And Benny, of course, played the infield and the outfield for the Mets in the uh, early and mid part of the 70s with the Baltimore Orioles from, uh, I believe, 79 to 84, a little bit with the Indians and the St. Louis Cardinals as well. So you get a little perspective of Benny Ayala's career. And one thing that stands out is in the history of the New York Mets franchise, he was the first player to hit a home run in his first major league at bat. Also, it was part of the 1983 Baltimore Orioles team that won the World Series, as well as the 1979 team that lost to the Pittsburgh Pirates in the Fall Classic. So, here's my interview with Benny Ayala. Hope you guys enjoy. This is John Pielli, Passball Show, MTR Radio Network. Um, welcome to my former major leaguer, Benny Ayala. Benny, of course, played in the majors for the better part of the 70s and 80s for the Mets, Cardinals, Orioles, and Indians. Hey, what's going on, Benny? Thank you for the opportunity to talk to your friends. Yeah, absolutely, man. Absolutely, man. The pleasure is all mine. Now, Benny, of course, you uh, you had a chance to be drafted by by the Mets. You came up through the Mets system. Um, at the time, the Mets the Mets weren't a bad team. Obviously, they made the World Series in 1973 prior to your Major League debut. Tell us a little bit about the beginning, being drafted by the Mets, and coming through the Mets organization. Well, as you say, it wasn't uh, easy to be a player uh, since uh, you made something very good football. Uh, I was in contention with Francisco and uh, William Jones and Seaway and all those guys. But uh, working out in the minor league system with uh, like Mario uh, Joe Fraser, 
figured it probably wouldn't be. I mean, you probably found a couple roadblocks along the way, you know, positions that you saw at the major league level that they had guys established already. How uh, how are you able to deal with that? Well, uh, uh, it's not hard to uh, play a job on time, and as long as I don't see stuff was hard to do, and there was an opportunity, uh, uh, they brought up uh, both, uh, both players, and Roy Steiger also put in that few of time. And, uh, uh, and I said, well, uh, I thought that uh, New York Mets will give me a, a, a little better chance. Especially when I hit the home run the first major league at that. I thought that I was going to have a good future. But uh, it wasn't like that. They, they started changing and uh, especially giving up on, on people that uh, maybe uh, the, the decision of the front office will Thank you. 
know, as you guys you go through, you have a little bit of time with the Mets. You end up, uh, you know, with St. Louis for a little bit. Uh, you spend uh, the majority of your career in the Baltimore Orioles organization. Uh, first, uh, you know, let us know about a little bit about your reflections on playing with Baltimore. You know, as you as you were there for for a little bit of time. Well, yeah, very impressive, uh, especially being with uh, we were when we walked up in the, in the office. He told me that uh, he didn't know that he will give me some chance to play, but I think right now find a, a chance to put me in the blue So I'm very happy that I find a, a manager like him who have a good value, uh, I mean, good vision of the Yeah. Uh-huh. 
listen, Benny, I want to thank you for having some time today. I appreciate you being part of the program, and, uh, you know, best of luck to you. Thank you very much, Andy. So great catching up with Benny Ayala, and of course he has a great presence in uh, Puerto Rico, and you know he had a chance to play for a World Series winner with the Orioles, another team that should have won the World Series in 1979, lost a 3-1 lead in uh, you know a seven-game series. Pirates won three straight, so very interesting there. And of course, you now like I said before, it hits the first home run in the history of the New York Mets in regards to players batting for the first time. So, listen, we're going to take another break and finish up a strong hour here. Passball Show MTR Radio Network, back after this. MTR Radio is already your home for the best sports talk in New York and Philly. Coming soon, the next leap in the evolution of Internet radio will have you tuning in all day, every day. Close out your workday with Sean Bretherick and Dan Feuerstein from 3 to 5 p.m. Then when your teams are done for the day... David Dobin will be there to recap all the action from 10 to midnight. It all starts Monday, May 6th on MTR Radio, America's radio station. You're listening to MTR Radio. This is Lady E, one of the many broadcasters at MTR Radio. If you're listening to mtrradio.com, fantastic. Que bueno. But if you want to take us with you, we have an app for your smartphone that lets you listen to us 24-7. Just go to Google Play on your Android device or the iPhone App Store and download our app, MTR Radio. Not sure what you want to eat? An omelet works anytime. How about a golden brown waffle with warm syrup? Augie's Omelet Waffle House and Grill is an Ocean City tradition since 1991. They're open year-round at 9th Street and Atlantic Avenues, just steps off the famous Ocean City boardwalk. Augie serves an affordable and expansive breakfast, lunch, seniors, and kids menu all day long. They know how to put a happy smile on everyone's face. Visit our website at augiesocnj.com or give us a call, 609-391-0222. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and come visit us in person at 9th Street and Atlantic Avenues, just steps off the famous Ocean City Boardwalk. Also visit Augie's Doggies in Smithville, 609-391-0222 and augiesocnj.com. More than omelets, breakfast, and brunch, it's happiness served on a platter. Welcome back, John Pielli, Passball Show, MTR Radio Network. Of course, a reminder, anything that you got to say, tweet at me, at John underscore Pielli, as we remain a very interactive program. Uh, I tell you, it's been, a, it's been a great month or so, you know, being able to reply to all the people and keeping the show interactive. I mean, it's been, you know, it's been fun. I mean, I've had some real heated discussions, had some, you know, some, some more uh, pleasurable conversations, but, you know, it's what I enjoy to do. So feel free to just, you know, lay it on. Anything I say you disagree with, anything any of my guests say that you don't agree with, 
feel free to let me know. Like I said, we get this uh, the discussion back and forth. It's been something that's been great for the program here. As we keep it interactive, once again, uh, John underscore Pielli, just tweet at me or, you know, if you follow me on Twitter, direct message me if you don't want it to be public, whatever, you know, whatever you got to do. But once again, Passball Show, MTR Radio Network. We're going to finish up this hour by talking about the, uh, the biogenesis thing. And, you know, some people don't really agree with my views on it. I think this is a situation where uh, I think I just think we're spending too much time I'm talking about steroids. Listen, they existed. There's no way that you could get around it. You can't deny the fact that this happened. This is an era of baseball that as time goes by, um, unfortunately, there's going to be a part. You know, we're going to we're going to we may not forget what happened, but it's still part of baseball history. And I had a discussion with somebody earlier today, you know, a guy like Chris Davis up there, 37 home runs before the All-Star break, well on his way to uh, having a chance to pass 61, you know, get in the 60s, you know, have really the first big home run season I, you've seen in baseball since the so-called steroid era. And, you know, the discussion, of course, is going to be about, hey, is the guy doing steroids? Well, you hear that he has taken two, two drug tests this year and has passed both times. So is he taking another substance that can't be detected? Listen, we don't know. The speculation could always be there. It's always an assumption that somebody is doing something wrong. But the bottom line is there has not been a player to have 37 home runs before the All-Star break since Reggie Jackson. And you look at the way the way the game has gone. Chris Davis playing in Camden Yards with his home games there. A lot of favorable parks in the American League. Has a very good chance of getting his home run total up, obviously above 50, and very good chance that it could uh, be above 60. So what does that mean? Does that mean that Chris Davis has a chance that if he passes Babe Ruth and Roger Maris to be the all-time home run champion for a single season? I don't think so. Because you can't forget that the other time existed. You can't forget that Barry Bonds went out there and hit 73 one season. Or that Mark McGuire hit 70. Or that Sammy Sosa hit 66. The other, the other players that have gone and done it, whether it was clean or not, it still happened. And you can still hear the debate about people, the old, the old timers who still don't acknowledge uh, Roger Maris as the whole, all-time single-season home run record holder. Because he played in 162 games when Babe Ruth played in 154. Listen, I think all the players that have that have passed these records have done a phenomenal job, and they deserve their place in a record book. They deserve the acknowledgement for what they've done. But let's not let's let, let's not have our favorites here. Obviously, those who are old enough to be Babe Ruth fans are going to think of Babe Ruth as the greatest single season home run holder. Same thing with Roger Maris. Roger Maris obviously held the record until Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa passed it in 1998. And, you know, obviously there's, you know, from his family, from all those that grew up in the 60s and saw 61, that all those, all those people will acknowledge Roger Maris in their own mind. And you follow the people that were fans of the 1998 season. And if, if you're a baseball fan, you enjoyed what happened, whether you turned a blind eye to it or not. You enjoyed the 1998 season. It brought baseball back. And some new time people, some of the more modern people, the, the contemporary people may uh, consider, you know, Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, and Barry Bonds the single season home run champion. Listen, records are made to be broken. You know, whether, whether it's, it's synthetically enhanced or not, it still happened. 
So as you get into the second half of the season, the Orioles obviously fighting for contention in the American League East. Uh, a lot of attention is going to be put on Chris Davis. Chris Davis has 37 home runs right now. You know, it's going to be anxious to see what happens when he hits the 40, when he gets to 50, when he gets to 55, when he gets to 60, when he gets to 61. You know, if he passes 61. And if he does, how far does he go? You know, the bottom line is, you know, listen, records are made to be broken. And the person that holds a single-season home run record is currently Barry Bonds. Whether you as a baseball fan want to acknowledge it or not, that's your prerogative. But in regards to the biogenesis thing, you hear that, uh, you know, obviously Michael Weiner, the head of uh, Major League uh, Baseball Players Association, ha- has issued a statement telling reporters that he expects the suspension announcement discussions to take place between the players and the owners next month. And the appeal hearing will uh, the appeal hearings will happen as soon as September. So th- this, like I said before, and I said this off air, I said this on air, this is a situation that it's going to take a long time to happen. And for those of you who aren't familiar, with the policy in regards to a positive drug test, um, you know, they're announced and it's kept between usually the player and the players association are the only ones that know about it really for the first uh, couple months after the test is, is found. So once the positive test is found, you, you don't know, you know, the public doesn't know about it until all the appeal processes are, are, are done. So you got a month, two months really after that, and then you finally find out that, hey, all right, something may leak, that this player will test positive, and then it's announced and it becomes fact and known to the public. So this, these biogenesis hearings are going to probably be held the same way. And I was saying before that I would have been very surprised if actual suspensions announced by Major League Baseball were announced before the appeal process ends up happening. Because I didn't think that was going to happen. And if you hear Michael Weiner, and I think he's going to very do a very good job representing the players and their points and their their, their uh, point of view in this, then it's going to be a situation where we're not going to know until at least the end of the season, probably the off season, which players are, are subject to suspensions and which ones have been uh, upheld in regards to you know the hearings and the arbitration and the whole thing. So those who think that Alex Rodriguez is going to come back from an injury and get suspended, I think you're crazy. It's not going to happen. You're going to wait a long time. Yeah, you know, you have to wait. Uh, you know, this, the Wiener explained that the suspensions are subject to negotiation with the league office and without an agreement between the two parties, it'll, it's unlikely players will miss time in the 2013 season. It makes sense. I know the public just wants to see things happen, particularly the A-Rod haters. You just want this to happen already. Understand that there is due process in this, and it does take a certain amount of time. You know, the, you know, the 50-game suspensions may not apply to non-analytical positive results, which is something that the Players Association is going to fight for. Those who think that the lab results here at Biogenesis are going to automatically I- implicate the players, and that's going to be acceptable to the players' union in, the, in this uh, joint agreement that they have between Major League Baseball and the Players Association, I, I think you're missing the point there, too. You know, there's a good chance that nothing may happen of this. There's a chance that, you know, the, the suspensions may be reduced. It might be a negotiated suspension, maybe, maybe an agreement between the two parties to say, listen, since we don't have a blood test results that say that X player tested positive, then it may be a different type of suspension. Maybe it's a 10-game suspension. Maybe it's a 20-game suspension. But whatever it is, it's going to be agreed upon between the Players Association and Major League Baseball. And, I, and they're, they're, this may become an exception to, to the whole rule there. And, you know, obviously the Players Association is going to fight even further and, and try, try to get something along the lines of saying, well, 
you know what? It's it's not a technical breach of the agreement that we have. Maybe we can fight this thing all, all around and have nothing happen. And people aren't talking about that. People are talking about, hey, is it going to be 50 games or 100 games suspension for A-Rod? Is Ryan Braun getting suspended for life? This is probably not going to happen. And I'll tell you one thing, if there's anything more than a 50-game suspension handed to a first-time offender, whether it's Braun or A-Rod or anybody else that has you know this double jeopardy thing involved with it, I'm going to be ridiculously surprised. I will write an article and I'll apologize to our listeners for me being wrong. But it's not going to happen. You're not going to get anything happening beyond a 50-game suspension for a player that technically has not failed a drug test. And the Major League Baseball Players Association and Michael Weiner and maybe even Donald Fear, who you hear he may be getting involved with the Players Association again, you know, as a consultant or maybe somebody that that, that may take over for Michael Weiner. As as we all know, my, you know, he's been sick. You know, you know, it's unfortunate. And hopefully, you know, we wish him the best and recovery. And hopefully, he could get back to normal. And you know, obviously, you know, you know prayers to him and his family. Hope everything works out. But. You know, this is going to be a situation where the the, pl- the players' association is going to have more grounds than they would over a regular drug test. And I understand the venom that's out there. People want to get at A Rod. People want A Rod's blood. They want to get him to a point where he's going to where where he's going to have to quit. He's not going to be associated with the game anymore. Obviously, the Yankees want to get out of the contract that they got him in. But let's be honest, it probably won't happen like this. The most you're going to see happen with Alex Rodriguez or Ryan Braun is going to be a 50 game suspension. And listen, maybe that's what they agree to. Maybe you look at all the evidence and everything that's involved, and maybe maybe they go through the appeal process, and maybe the determination is that Ryan Braun and Alex Rodriguez will serve one 50-game suspension each, and maybe that works out. I think the you know there's other players that are involved in this that's going to be more interesting with. There's a lot of the younger players. Obviously, the Mets have Cesar Puello. Uh, you look at Yasmin Grandal, Bartolo Colon, uh, Melky Cabrera, who have all been implicated in this, and all three of them have have uh, served 50 game suspensions before. So that may be a situation where those particular players may be suspended for 100 games. Other than that. There's going to be no other player that's going to be suspended for over for over 50 games. I don't care what you say. You're wrong with this. There's a due process involved with this, and it's not it's not fair to neglect the rights of the players and the players' association in this just because the general public wants these people burned. And obviously, the whole you know the initial leak was one by, uh, you know, outside of the lines, ESPN, TJ Quinn was the main reporter, you know, saying that the commissioner's office planned to suspend Braun, Rodriguez, as many as 20 other players. You know, the unfortunate thing is that that was a leak, and I know outside the lines is doing their job. I respect the reporting of TJ Quinn in particular. Uh, he's a guy that does a very good job in what he does, but, you know, let's, let's be honest. I mean, it, it was nothing more than a leak. There wasn't a lot of, of uh, you know, things involved there that said that anything was imminent. And the odds are that what's going to happen is this is going to bleed into next season and maybe something will be announced during the offseason as opposed to right now. Those who are sitting there expecting to hear these big announcements, A-Rod suspended for, you know, for life, Braun suspended for 100 games, you're not going to hear it this year. And in fact, what I just said will not be said at all because neither of those players will end up being uh, in a situation where they'll, they'll, the result will be suspensions that lengthy. The absolute most that you're looking at 
for either one of these players, and I'll say it for the last time, is 50 games each. And that even is, right now, a disputable number. And I wouldn't be surprised if suspensions were not announced at all. If none of these players were in, that were involved in this were suspended at all. And I also wouldn't be surprised if there was a negotiation between the Major League Baseball, the Drug Treatment Center, and the Players Association and the players to determine shorter lengths of suspensions because there wasn't a positive blood sample involved in these biogenesis you know, tests and stuff. I mean, you have evidence that the players you know, obtain the drugs. Well, did you find them in their system? Because if you didn't find these drugs in their system, there's no proof that they actually took them. And I know it's I know it's a stupid statement. You could say that. You could disagree with me. I'm looking forward to the discussion about this. But if you go if you go ahead and tell me that these drugs aren't in their system and they didn't test positive to them, uh, you know, from the player's perspective and in this innocent until proven guilty thing, you're gonna say there's no proof that they took them, even though we all know that they probably did. So I hope you understand where I'm coming from with this, because this is a silly situation that, you know, people are expecting this blood. These, you know, these these players are just going to, you know, have to serve these lifetime bans for this biogenesis thing. Let's, let's look at Anthony Bosch and realize that he isn't the most credible guy either. And that's going to be factored in there as well. So I do want to thank everybody for being part of the program here. Benny Ayala, great job. Uh, we're going to take a break for the first hour. Be back with a lot more stuff going on. Passball Show, MTR Radio Network. Back after this.